Join me tonight in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14, the last chapter of the book of Zechariah. And we're going to be spending some time on verses 10 and 11 tonight. And what a statement about the spiritual work of God is mentioned in these two verses of Scripture. It is the spiritual work of God. He's the only one that can accomplish what we find in these verses of Scripture. In Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 10, the Scriptures share with us, All the land shall be turned as a plain from Gibeah to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place, from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate and to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's winepress, wine's presses. And verse 11, And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Well, in this verse 10, we have a description of the largeness and the extensiveness of the church. This measurement that is given here is the land, all the land. And a dimension of Jerusalem is mentioned in here, all the church. All of it is uh, mentioned in here. And it reminds me of a verse of scripture in the book of Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 9. If you'd turn there with me, I'd like to read that verse of scripture because it shares much about what we're going to be reading here. In the book of Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 9, they sung a new song. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And here we have the dimensions of the church mentioned again. Because it shares with us, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God. Now today I had a conversation with a young man, and he wanted me to share with him the gospel. And I said, That's what I've been doing. And he says, what is the gospel? And I said, the gospel is sharing the uh, message, the good news about Christ who can actually save his people. He didn't make us savable. That is very difficult because it leaves it up to us. And what happens if we make a mistake? But a savior that actually saves his people and a redeemer that actually redeems his people is the best news I ever heard of. And that's the message of Christ. That's the gospel. It's good news that he had a purpose in what he was doing and he went about fulfilling that purpose. That's good news. Well, here we find in the book of Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, thou hast redeemed us. Didn't make us redeemable, but redeemed us. He paid for us. He put himself in our place, and he redeemed us by his own blood. What does it say? He hath redeemed us by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation. Now, if you draw that out on the earth, you've covered the earth. It's a description like we have here in the book of Zechariah, chapter 14 and verse 10. There is a description of all the land that is there. Now, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, we have some wonderful information that goes right along with this passage of Scripture. And Isaiah is a prophet, Old Testament prophet. He is a minister of the gospel. He's a preacher of righteousness, just like we find Zechariah is. 
Here in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Now, we're familiar with the first part of this verse, but we want to read why is this so encouraging? Why? Isaiah chapter 40, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. There in verse 1, it says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And that's the gospel. That is good news. That's a good news about a Redeemer that actually redeems his people from their sins. Now let's drop down to verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now we go over to the New Testament and we find out who this is that's saying that. He is a one that is testifying about the gospel, the good news, Christ. Now notice verse 4, what's going to happen when he preaches the gospel or when Isaiah preaches the gospel or when Zechariah preaches the gospel. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and rough places plain. What does the gospel do for us? It takes care of all the imperfections and all the impurities and all the problems that we have in the fall. Everything is made right, just like it was in the beginning. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So we have the authority of the Lord, that this is how it's going to happen. So every valley, now in our verse of scripture there in Zechariah chapter 10, all the land shall be turned as a plain. Now if you look at uh, Israel, the, the nation of Israel, on a map, on a um, a map that shows the mountains, that is a hilly country. And as Mike has been bringing out during the Bible classes, down, up, down, up, getting to Jerusalem. Well, here we have in this passage of Scripture, in the book of Zechariah, chapter 14 and verse 10, that there's going to be a spiritual overdoing. <laughs> there's going to be an overmaking. There's going to be a making things right. And it's going to be, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain shall be brought low. Here it says, and all the land shall be turned as a plain from Gibeah to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem. And it shall be lifted up. Jerusalem shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place. Jerusalem shall be exalted. Jerusalem shall be lifted up. The church shall be brought out of this. And what a glorious statement. Now, in the book of Luke, chapter 3, we have the fulfillment of this verse of Scripture found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Every valley shall be exalted. Now, there have been certain ones that have looked at that and said that's exactly what people were supposed to do when it came to the cities of refuge. They were to make it as level and straight as they could. Now, given the land mass that they were dealing with, it was impossible for everything to be exactly level and not exactly straight for everybody to get there. But when it comes to Christ, everything is made level, everything is made straight, and all the paths of God's salvation lead to the work and person of Jesus Christ. There is no roundabout ways. There is one way, and that is a very narrow way, and it's the way that Christ has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he has it purposed, and here's the description of it. Isaiah has a description of it. 
Zechariah has a description of it. And as we follow this out, we find that this is just the plain Bible teaching about salvation. In the, there in verse, uh, in verse 10, the seed of the church of the living God shall be filled with the knowledge of God. There's going to be, everybody in the church is going to be, well, we read in the book of John, I believe it's chapter 5, taught of God. And if you're taught of God, you will come to Christ. There's nowhere else to go if we're taught of God. Now, if we're not taught of God, we'll find any other place. But since God teaches His people that He draws, He teaches us, we're taught of Him, and Christ is the center. Last week we mentioned that there's a lot of signboards, and I just, uh, this last week I noticed one, uh, different places here in town, you know, always away from that post. Well, in Christ, we find all of the prophets standing on the outside pointing to one person. Isaiah pointed to the same person that John did. Jeremiah pointed to the same person that Titus did. Everybody is pointing in the same direction, and they're not looking for their own following. They're looking to point people to Christ, and when they go to him, they say, Hallelujah, and they don't say, Oh, look what I'm losing. Hallelujah. Go to Christ. So every signboard, every prophet, every passage is pointing us to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We notice the, the boundaries here. The scriptures teach us that every, and we're going to read a few verses, every bit of the property that God promised national Israel, they got. Now that's a picture to us. It's a statement for us. God is going to give everyone in the church, everyone he ever saved, the same exact proportions, and that's all of Christ. Can you imagine? You get all, I get all, you get all, you get all. We all get the same amount. We get all of Christ, and every everybody gets every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And there's no fear in coming to Christ because he has been has taken upon him the punishment that we were due, so now we come and we're on good terms. We're friendly. We have this friendly relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what a blessing it is to know that this God that is taught in the book of Jeremiah, taught in the book of Isaiah, taught in the book, taught in the book of Zechariah, has all power because it takes a great deal of power to do what was mentioned from a physical standpoint, I mean, we say that's impossible. But from a spiritual standpoint, it takes all power to raise us out of the dust and resurrect us as Christ was raised from the dead. It tells us the same power it took to raise Christ is what it takes to raise us from the spiritual dead. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, would you join me there? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now the problem that we face, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14. This is the problem that we face. This is the problem I faced this morning. This is the problem we face when we're talking to our family, our children, our grandchildren, our family, our aunts, our uncles, our brothers, our sisters. When we come to them with the gospel, the good news about Christ who actually will save his people from their sins, whose name means 
he shall save his people from their sins, is this very verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. This is why they cannot understand. This is why I couldn't understand. When, when I was being given the gospel, I could not understand it. I thought the gospel was brought out clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where it says in verses 1 through 3, this is the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, was buried and rose again the third day. I thought that's what it is. Well, when Brother Henry said that he didn't know the gospel, and then the Lord revealed the gospel to him, he's talking completely out of my league. Because the gospel to be seen spiritually has to be revealed to us. And it says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, for they are foolishness unto him. And there is no greater truth about that. That's the best way we could possibly say it. That's the way the Bible says it. It's foolishness. The truth of the gospel is foolishness unto natural man. Because they, oh, neither can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, when God reveals himself to his people and he teaches us and he brings us to Christ, then we have teachable spirits and when the Bible is brought to our attention, we say, there it is. That's what it's teaching. Well, let's go on here. Without, without the new birth, we cannot see and we cannot enter the kingdom of God. In the book of Joshua, chapter 23, would you join me over there? As we think about the, the size of the city, the size of that, that verse 10 shared with us the, the largeness and the extensiveness of the church of Christ, measured from north to south, or south to east, north, east to west, here it is, all of it, and in the book of Joshua, chapter 23, we find that Joshua, again, a preacher of righteousness, is sharing with us how much God gave to us. It's wonderful when we read it here in the book of Joshua, chapter 23, and verse 14. This is how much God gives to his children, how much he gives to every individual member of his body. Joshua, chapter 23, verse 14, the scriptures say this, and behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. Now just apply that from a spiritual context. You know in your hearts that everything that God said he's going to give us is ours. Now, we may not have discovered all that we, he's given us, but everything that he has given is ours. As we found over there, the size of that, the measurement of that, the, the largeness of that is to express to us the greatness of our God and, and his ability to do what he said he would do there in the land, make everything flat, smooth, and approachable, and then exalt the church. All right, goes on to tell us here, hath not failed of the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you, all, your, all are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. So everything from a physical standpoint, Joshua says, you got, 
And Joshua is saying to the church, everything that God promised from a spiritual standpoint is yours. He has promised it. It is yours. It is given to you. Now, let's travel just a, uh, back, back just a little bit into the book of Joshua chapter 21. Joshua chapter 21. And we have these words recorded for us. Joshua chapter 21, verse 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. One more time, Joshua is reminding the children of Israel, and they could say, we didn't get everything. And Joshua said, the Lord promised it, and he gave it to you. Now, from a spiritual standpoint, he's saying the same thing. Every spiritual blessing is yours. Everything. I've held back nothing. There is no secrets in this Christianity. We don't have to get in and then someone comes along and teaches us the deeper things. Everything is given to the church. And he goes on and says, And the Lord gave them rest round about. What's that? The Lord is our Sabbath. The Lord is our rest. You know, it, it struck me today. I was driving and that verse of scripture came up and I probably can't quote it right. But the Lord told a bunch of Pharisees, I am the Lord. The Lord is the Lord of the Sabbath. What's he saying? I'm in charge of peace. I'm in charge of rest. You're not going to get it yourself, but I'm in charge of it. I give it. Well, that's what we're given. Rest. He's given righteousness, giving sanctification, given holiness, given all the spiritual blessings. And some of them I'm yet to discover as I go through the word, but they're mine goes on to say, the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers, and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. What a wonderful statement that Joshua brings up to the children of Israel, and what a wonderful statement the preacher of righteousness brings up to the church. God took care of every enemy of the church. There's none dragging along yet. <laughs> They're taken care of. And then he says, There fail not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel all came to pass. And Joshua, the preacher of righteousness, is telling the church, Everything God ever promised, he has power to give and he has given. What a glorious thing. As the size of the church is from nation, kindred, people, and tongue. From Alaska to the Soviet, or former Soviet Union, excuse me, from the islands of the Pacific until Finland, all over there are God's people that he has pulled out of that place in every generation and drawn them to himself out of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue. Hath redeemed us by thy blood. Well, wonderful Solomon in the book of 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. 1 Kings chapter 8. Verse 56. Now this whole, whole chapter is his prayer. It's wonderful to read because Solomon is really sharing with us the goodness of God as a preacher of righteousness. Now he's speaking to national Israel standing in front of him, but he's also speaking to the church who is, well, I like what Paul had to say. Solomon could have said it. Not all of you are Israel. Right. <laughs> Joshua could have said the same thing. Not all of you are Israel. 
Moses could have said the same thing in his day. Not all of you are Israel. <laughs> Twelve of you came back with an evil report and they've been destroyed. Isn't that much longer? Not all of you are Israel. Korah goes down into the pit and 250 people are consumed. Well, here we have blessed, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. Now, he made the purpose and the promise before he carried it out. <laughs> but he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto all his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all the good promise which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. Not one promise failed. Boy, I wish I could do that in one day. <laughs> but God does it all the time. Every good promise that he has ever promised, he will keep. He has the power to do that. And so, as we read there in the book of, of uh, uh, Zechariah, as you look at the extent of the land, at the reaches of it, the dimensions of it, and then he said, out of the middle of it, Jerusalem shall be exalted. Jerusalem shall be raised. What a blessing that we are raised out of that. Now, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Mark. Israel shall be raised out of the dust. We were raised out of the dust of the fall. We're just raised up. And it tells us here in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, as, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Now, isn't that a description of what God does for us? What we had in the fall? I'll never forget Brother, Brother um, Rupert mentioning in a message here about the maniac of Gadara cast out those demons out of him. And he says... You know, we were filled with demons, our own. <laughs> and it is he that cast them out. And he mentioned that to a preacher's wife one time. She said, I never had that. I never had that. Well, if you've ever been saved, you know what part of it, it is, at least, what he saved us from. And it was all that demon, ourself. <laughs> Well, he raised him up. We are dead and we must be raised. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5. The resurrection Jesus provides. It's interesting that the Lord told a group of people that said, you know, I have someone died in my family. I need to go bury him. You know what he said to him? 
let the dead bury the dead. How do you sort that out? Let the dead, well, the dead in sin bury the dead physically. He's just saying, by nature, there's where we are. Yes. Dead. Dead. And they, we may be animated. We may have a physical heart beating. We may have brain power. We may have all that stuff. But when it comes to spiritual things, we are graveyard dead. Here in the book of Mark, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 5. As it tells us about Jerusalem, we're going to be raised up. What a blessing that God would provide our resurrection along with every other spiritual blessing. What did Jesus tell these people that came from John? John was in prison just before he is uh, sentenced to death and he sends a delegation to Jesus and has some questions. I've had people say, see, he doubted his salvation. Oh my goodness. That's not what happened. This is the reason he sent the delegation is so we get to read this. It says here, Jesus answered and said unto them, verse 4, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive sight. The, and some people say, yeah, I was over there when he healed that blind man. <laughs> they missed the point. And then he says, and the lame walk. Yeah, I was over there that time when he made that lame man walk. And the lepers are cleansed. Oh, I remember that guy. There were ten of them. And uh, one came back. He was, they all were healed, but he came back. You know, the, all kinds of people are going to point out the physical things that Jesus did. And he's a good man and he's doing good. But the Lord is speaking about a much greater thing than that. He goes on to tell us, oh, the dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Every one of these things are to be taken from a spiritual context because the gospel preached unto them is a spiritual thing. All right, it tells us in there, the dead are raised up. Peter was educated in the Jews' religion, and there for a little while, even after he was saved, he went off there just a little bit, and Paul had to come along and says, uh-oh, no, 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 no. Don't fall into that trap again. And Peter understood what he was talking about. You know, that's one thing about God's people. They're teachable spirits. They're teachable. Peter was teachable. We, I, I want to be teachable. Well, here it says, the dead are raised up. And so we have that beautiful picture over there in the book of Zechariah. All the good work of God. I gave you the measurements. I flattened it out. I raised up Jerusalem out of the mess. And then he goes on to tell us in verse 11. Verse 11. This is the result. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 11. I'm doing all of this. That's mentioned in verse 11. The size of the church. You know, the Lord says it's a remnant according to the election of grace. And yet we also find out that it's a number that no man can number. Verse 10, all the land shall be turned as a plain. And then it gives us the reference points. And all we look at that and say, well, I've never been over there. Well, 
He's just sharing what we read in the book of Isaiah. Every valley shall be exalted. Every hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. That's my business. That's how I do my business. That's how I save my people. I do it. And then he says in verse 11, and men shall dwell in it. What? Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be lifted up, says in verse 10. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction. Now notice the last phrase. But Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Nothing can remove God's people from the position that they're in. Shall tribulation, Romans chapter 8, the last few verses, what is able to separate us from the love of God? Shall this, shall that, shall this, shall that? No, no, no. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing can take us out of the church. Nothing can remove us from God's love. Nothing can remove us. Sin cannot do anything. You know, I think of this, and I don't want to be sacrilegious, but what does God do when his people sin? Nothing. If they did, Jesus didn't pay for that sin. And if he did pay for that sin, I would that you'd sin not. I would that you'd sin not. But we have an advocate. When you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I would that you'd sin not. But Jesus Christ does not react to our sin. God reacted to our sin in his son on the cross. And it was completely and totally taken care of. And we get to hear the Lord say on that day, welcome thou good and faithful servant, and we'll be like the rest of them, say, when were we that? <laughs> when were we that? Well, in Christ. All right. The men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be shall sweat safely inhabited. Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited is... Uh, Properly, this word is, means a place of refuge. Now, I was hoping that this word is the same word for city of refuge, but it wasn't quite. <laughs> but it is. Jerusalem is a place of refuge. The church is a place of refuge. Uh, in the book of Isaiah again, uh, the gospel according to Isaiah, going back here, Isaiah has to say this about the work of righteousness. In Isaiah chapter 32, the work of righteousness. This is God's work in us. This is the work of the righteous one. What is that? How often we've heard, as Peter did, Paul did, what must I do to be saved? And that is a statement right out of the fall. Because there's, God never asked us to do anything in our salvation. He has taken care of it all. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, let us read this. The work of righteousness, the work of righteousness, the work of Christ, the work of salvation, the work in us, 
shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Now that's a wonderful statement. That's almost what we read over there in the book of Zechariah. That dwells safely. It's going to be a place of peace. The church, our relationship with God is for once and forever on good terms. We are accepted in the beloved. We can come boldly before his throne of grace. We have this given to us that we have this, this access by faith unto the Lord. The, the work of righteousness and the effect of righteousness. One, peace, effect quietness and assurance forever to be settled on this you know i've heard mike say about up there people are it seemed like every other sunday the people were getting saved or wanted to know what you know that was over for me one one time heard the gospel it took care of it just took care of it i don't have to go fishing and lord if i catch a fish then that means i'm saved no, it's all foolishness. It's, it's uh, well, as we look here in uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. Let's move another book here. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 23, as we read about this peace and safety that we have in Jerusalem, in the church, to be settled, uh, to have peace, to, to, uh, to rest under our own vine, the, the way the Bible describes it is so many ways to be at rest in Christ, to have him as our peace, to have him as our Sabbath. And here in the book of Jeremiah chapter 23, Jeremiah chapter 23, we have this wonderful statement made again. Verse 6 says, And in his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. Now notice this. And this is his name whereby he shall be called. How do we dwell safely? How do we dwell safe? The Lord, our righteousness. That's who it is. That's what it's all about. It's, well, I think of the Lord telling his disciples to launch out into the deep. You can't get any deeper than the Lord, our righteousness. All right, let's look again here in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. Jeremiah, chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17, as we think of the church, Jerusalem dwelling safely, certainly isn't going on now. And it never will in this world. Jerusalem, well, I like what the writer of Hebrews said. He said, you have not come to Mount Sinai, but you are come to Mount Zion. Mount Sinai is judgment. Never a good word given to us in the law, but in the gospel, everything is a good word. All right. Let's notice here in Jeremiah 32, verse 70. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out, stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thou showest loving kindness unto thousands and recompensest the iniquities of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great and mighty God, the Lord of hosts, is his name. And then let's just jump over to chapter 33 
and verse 16. Chapter 33 of the book of Jeremiah and verse 16. And here we have the name of the church. This is the name of Jerusalem. This is the name of New Jerusalem. In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby, wherewith she shall be called. Oh, we have a new name. The Lord, our righteousness. You know, it's so wonderful in when we fell in Adam, that word Adam means man. And we carry that <laughs> to the grave. We're just flesh. But spiritually, the Lord has taken us out of that family and given us a new name. And this new name is the same name as our Savior's name, the Lord, our righteousness. Judah and Israel dwelt safely under Solomon's reign all the days. They didn't have to worry about the enemy. I was driving down the I-5 down through Medford. You know, it's interesting. The Dallas has four exits, and it's 12,500, and Medford has 90,000, and they have two exits. Politics. Anyway, I was driving from one exit to the other exit, and I'm going along there after the Lord saved me. I says, you know what? I don't have to fear the devil. I'd been taught that he was the problem all along. He was my worst problem, and the worst problem was this. Amen. That's my worst problem. So uh, I don't do a lot of talking about him because he's been taken care of. The Lord took care of him at the cross. Now, if he does, he's by permission, and he is the Lord Satan. Created by him. Anyway, mm -hmm. the Lord our righteousness. There shall be dwelling safely. Let's go back there to the book of Zechariah one more time. Chapter 14 of the book of Zechariah. Chapter 14 and verse 10 and 11. Notice the dimension of the land. Notice the size. Now, I've never been over there. I've never drawn a map over there. I don't think you could find these places on a map. Some of them are so hidden that they're just not recognizable anymore. So I'm going to quit worrying about that. I'm going to look at this and say, this is God's description of his world for us. And in the middle of that, he's going to raise up Jerusalem out of the mess. And there's going to be peace in Jerusalem, peace in the church. He is our peace. He is our righteousness. Now, before we close, I want to read verse 12. And this is what God's going to do to those who oppose the church. These are the left-hand people, folks, the left-hand people. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. Now there's three things that we're going to look at next time. It's their, their flesh. What is natural man's flesh? Their eyes and their tongue. And the Lord says, I'm going to judge every one of those. And that's what he did and left them on the left-hand side. All right, we're going to stop there.
Thank you for your kind attention. Is there any other prayer requests before we have a word of prayer?